pencil in the apocalypse. I gotta get up at five o'clock in the morning and sparkle, Neely, sparkle. I know what some of your big city no bra wearing hairy legged women livers might say. Hello, everyone, and welcome to an episode of Maximum Film. It's episode 250. Woo! Let's get shifty. <laughs> yeah, it's your host, Ify Wadiway, and in the booth with me are my friends, so let me introduce you to the hams. First up comes the one who knows the gravity of this being episode of 250 because you just heard him cheering. It is none other than the Christmas Eddie himself, Alonzo Duralde. What's good? God, Ify, I'm gobsmacked that we got to episode 250. This is pretty amazing. As the as the guy who's been here all along, it's yeah. been, it, this is this is a, a lot to wrap my head around. Uh, what is good for me these days, weirdly enough, is the January 6th hearings. My favorite new show, by summer replacement show, it's even better than the Brady Variety Hour. Uh, what I think I'm really enjoying about it is just that I feel less insane that people are saying on television the thing that we all saw that so many people tried to tell us we didn't see or we saw something else or it was this or it was that or whatever. It was like, no, no, no. It, th- this is not a thing that like went got out of control. This is I- exactly what it was designed to be, except for the part where they didn't completely like overthrow the government and hang the vice president. So, um, I, you know, look, uh, Liz Cheney is a nightmare and always will be. But right now for this one window of time, she is doing the right thing. And uh, it, is, it is real good television. It's right there in the Ooh. name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, he's right just in the middle. Well, you know, uh, let me just keep the ball rolling and introduce you to the Queen of Midwest herself, the one with a smile that's worth a trillion bucks uh, and a couple of Bitcoin. It's Drea Clark. What's good? <laughs> so much Bitcoin. Um, what's good with me is Lojack. Woo. If you are not familiar, it is a GPS device that comes on many new automobiles. And if your car is stolen from your home, like mine was this morning, then you can just open an app and be like, oh, here's my car. And then you show it to the police officers. And then they take your phone and they communicate that information to the helicopter that they've brought that is following your car through Koreatown. And you know what? Then your car is found. And uh, I want to say my my older car would have been gone forever. Not that anyone would have wanted to steal it. Oh, catch 22. The the end of privacy isn't so bad. (laughs) Right. There is an upside. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll give up a little, just a little Mm. privacy to find my stuff. Yeah. Well, uh, the person you heard make that banger joke is someone who just has a history of making banger jokes and just being all around banger and whatever he's in. Guy Branham, comedian, actor, writer, forever member of the Max Bond family and author of My Life as a Goddess, a memoir through unpopular culture. What's good? Um, Thank you for the plug, Ify. So... You guys don't know how excited I am to be talking to Alonzo Andrea today. If he, I don't know what your relationship with Chantal Ackerman is, but I was on YouTube looking for like interviews with Chantal Ackerman, as one does. Sure. Um, 
And I found out that in 1986, Chantal Ackerman uh, made a musical about the mall. Yes. And uh, like, and just that feeling of like, in any other time in history, I would have found that out and it would have been useless to me until they were showing it one night at some place in Manhattan and I wasn't able to go. In this paradise we live in, I was able to immediately go to the Criterion channel and watch it. It's called uh, Golden 80s. It's so good. One of the most magical things about it. Alonzo, have you seen it? Oh, Dave and I went to go see it. Funny story. It, it, after Ackerman died, there was a retrospective in L.A. The print that showed up had no English subtitles on it. We stayed anyway. <laughs> I mean, yeah! Yes! That's I his... love a film with no subtitles. I mean, it says so much that it's just... It is sorbet-colored outfits. It is a musical from a point in time when we didn't make musicals. Um, it's... I always... There's some level of patreoning linoleum knife where a person is allowed to force you to do something and you don't know how much time I spend being like what level of Patreon of linoleum life am I and can I force Dave and Alonzo to do this um, I think we already did it I thought, yes. I'll make sure you get that episode we, yeah, linoleum knife presents more linoleum knife we are big golden 80s fans here I'm so proud of you guy yeah, yeah. that's such a good call guy has a Jean Dillman picture as his like profile background nice like it's the most low-key way to Uh, explain that you're in it for a belgian director oh just one more thing i'm i know i've gone overboard on this but i just have to tell you guys i was i tried a while ago to explain to my mom a retired cafeteria lady from northern california did not go to college um i started explaining jean dilman to her and she was like no it came on tcm i watched it Yeah. Nice. All of it. I, I was like, it. it's like the the most boring movie is also the catchiest. <laughs> it's true. Um, you know who would love all of that? Iffy. Yes. Iffy, what's good? Yeah, yeah. I, I applaud you for going for the uh the, the segue there. <laughs> I tried uh, what's so good? hard. Yeah, but you know, I think you got close to nailing it kinda. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, what's good with me is I just did a weekend in Seattle uh, doing some uh, some um, some some shows. It was some banger shows. I love the community out there. Uh, but that's not what I want to talk about. This is uh, my new segment, or I think I've done this before. What's not good uh, with the USPS? Because I was supposed to go up to Vancouver, and uh, you know this will not be surprising to Alonzo Andrea, or if you know me. But I got to Seattle and realized, oh, if I'm going into Vancouver, I'm gonna need a passport. But I'm like, you know what? That's fine. Um, we have the we have ways. So I called my dad, uh, and then he went ahead and he overnighted it to me via USPS. And we did that fun thing where we sat and waited for it, and oh, no. and you don't hear a knock or anything. But then they said that they attempted delivery, uh. and then they took it in. But they're like, no, don't worry, we'll go at eight the, on on Monday before my flight to go pick it up because obviously it should be there. No, 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 it wasn't there. Mm. Uh, as a matter of fact, they because they went back and checked and they said, oh, and also businesses in general, sometimes you don't have to give us all the information because sometimes that information will make us matter. Just like make some shit up 
or lie or just don't <laughs> tell us because they came back and said, oh, the carrier didn't put it where it was supposed to go. And also the carrier is off today. So we have to call them and hopefully get in touch. And I already knew you call me on my day off. I'm not picking up the phone. I'm like, you are not going to get in touch with that carrier. <laughs> oh, you're going to call them on their day off. <laughs> yeah. No, nah, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now that carrier is not picking up that phone. Uh, <laughs> the notoriously chill postal worker. so uh yeah so right now i'm back in la but my passport is somewhere in seattle's uh u.s yeah that's fun (laughs) shout out to y'all shout out to whoever is now pretending to be iffy wadi way as well yeah yeah, yeah. i know (laughs) cashing checks all over the pacific Uh, (laughs) bouncing his ass along different bars Well, you know what I like to do to cheer me up when shit hits the fan is watch a movie. And good thing for me, we're honoring the late Canadian director Jean-Marc Vallée with his film Crazy that came out in 2005, but is finally available for the first time in the U.S. And then later we'll test our ComWat, that's knowledge of movies with acronym titles. (laughs) But first... Here's an acronym for you. It's Inedict, short for Is This Important? Do I Care? It's our movie news segment, and I'm up first. So let's let's just go into this because I'm sure we're going to have a lot to say. Uh, and we're talking about Australian newspaper that admitted they were going to out Rebel Wilson before she came out herself. This weekend, Rebel Wilson shared via Instagram that she is in a same-sex relationship. The post was sunny, but events leading up to the post seem super shady. Uh, apparently, the Sydney Moore Morning Herald had con- con- the Sydney Morning Herald had contacted Wilson to give her a 48-hour heads up that they were going to share the scoop on her new relationship, prompting Wilson to take back the narrative. Is this important? Do you care? The wording on this, right? The wording of how this all came out was like, oh, the audacity! Like this, this Sydney journalist, yeah. his whole article was like, oh. Who does Rebel Wilson think she is? Like, we gave her this heads up. We were going to do this. And then she just announced it. Rude. How rude. It was mind boggling the angle he took. But then apologized, right? Like, I think sort of after the planet sort of dragged him, it was kind of like, oh, "Oh, I mean, we never meant to. I bet, you know. But yeah, this this is very tacky all the way around. And within his writing, he had something about how. Oh, well, in the year of our Lord, 2022, can you even out celebrities anymore? Like, it's so accepted. Uh, straight straight guy doesn't get to say that. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it like, for me, it was glorious nostalgia of 2007, 2008, when uh, Perez Hilton was, you know, <laughs> remembering the people who did not come out of the closet but were outed by Perez Hilton is hilarious. <laughs> Neil Patrick Harris. It is um, a lengthy list. But, like, truly, no one gets to forcibly out anyone unless you are, like, an aged journalist who lives through the AIDS crisis and, like, periodically needs to take out, like, an Aaron Shock or something like that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The the people in power have it coming, but celebrities get to to pick their own time for this sort of thing. 
Uh, you know, I, I spent the better part of the 2000s at The Advocate where we were starving for people to be on the cover and we still couldn't force anybody anybody out. Although I do remember my editor always had a, a section on his bulletin board just called The Glass Closet. It was like people that we knew were gay, but just we were waiting for them to like say the magic word. And I think since then they've all come out. Like Jodie Foster was in that box. David mm -hmm. Hyde Pierce. There was just like this this whole collection of folks. Oh, Sean, Sean Hayes. Sean there was Hayes. a time when Sean Hayes wasn't out, everybody, in recent history. So, yeah, uh, Rebel Wilson, you know, wishing you all the happiness. I'm sorry that you did not get to dictate your own terms and had to deal with this bullshit. Yes. Uh, speaking of movies, as Drea likes to say, and I'm here to steal her catchphrase. Uh, <laughs> Such a good catchphrase. <laughs> it's sweeping the nation. Um, this is very exciting. Jennifer Hudson won a Tony this weekend, making her the 17th person to become an EGOT. Uh, the Tonys were held on Sunday, and the show A Strange Loop won for Best Musical, and she was a producer on the show, making her a Tony winner uh, to go with her Emmy, also for producing her Oscar for Dreamgirls, and two Grammys, Hudson now joins the ranks of people like Audrey Hepburn, Mel Brooks, and Rita Moreno on the short list of EGOTters. Is this important? Do you care? Good for her, huh? Good oh, yeah. for you, J-Hud. I love this. I also love that the ones that you would think would be the most difficult, like to win an acting Oscar it's a much smaller category, right? Like you can have multiple winners in other categories, like, but an acting Oscar is so specific and hard. And that was like, oh yeah, no, she already had that one. Yeah. That one knock, probably knock, came first. Uh, knocked yeah. it off first, exactly. Like, I, oh yeah, no worry. I'm just working. I, I took care of that. Oh, and now I'm working around the list. Like, I'm a little mad on her behalf that she had to EGOT for producing. She of all people, mm. You know, it's sort of like when it's like Audrey Hepburn, of course she has to win her Grammy for spoken word or whatever. It's Jennifer motherfucking Hudson. Like, <laughs> like that's all the talent in the world. And you know, like she can't be best featured actress in a musical. I did love the sheer number of people who produced A Strange Loop. And mm -hmm. uh, my friend Mindy Kaling has a Tony now. Oh, oh nice. I might. I it's you, a, it's a long list. We God, don't know. you know what? Do you know what Rita Moreno's Grammy was for? Oh, Electric Company. Yes, um, the Electric yes. Company cast <laughs> album. So people stumble into EGOT in weird ways, and yes. as long as it happens, that's all that matters. I want you to know, I'm now picturing because Jennifer Hudson also got her Emmy for producing, and what oh, wow. I truly want is that. Why is Jennifer Hudson not playing? Uh, the champagne is burnt <laughs> right? If the champagne is too burned for your taste, Miss Devereaux, don't drink it. The caviar, I trust, is not burned. I really wouldn't know. This is Ossetrova, and I prefer Petrosian Beluga. Give her time. Let's get to that going. That's Dominique Devereaux. Right, oh, thank you. <laughs> Speaking of movies... Paddington 3! Let's go. World famous Paddington, definitely related to this podcast, gets a title and a director. The summer of Paddington news continues on. First, he got name dropped by Nicolas Cage. Then he met the Queen. And now Paddington 3 is a step closer to reality. We found out this week that the next movie will be called Paddington in Peru. And it will be directed by Dougal Wilson in his directorial feature debut. Is this important? Do you care? I mean, I think anyone listening 
knows. It's very important to us. Of course, uh, it's vitally important. I, I am I am admittedly disappointed that Paul King is not continuing on with the series, having done the classic Paddington and Paddington 2. Uh, he's doing that Wonka thing, which... Best of luck, everybody. Um, but I'm, I'm thrilled this is happening. Uh, ben Wishaw, I assume, is back as the voice. And I think that they know that um, they 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 have a, a very, very valuable franchise here that they better not screw up. So I'm hoping that they don't. My fear is that this is going to be a Godfather situation Ooh. where, you know, great, better, and then falls off. And then the only question on my mind, which knight or dame commander of the British Empire will get to choose scenery as the villain of this film? It is the one Ooh. question on my mind. That's true. I'm sure we'll cover that at some point as well, right? Like uh, Brawls have announce... already broken out, I think, regarding that one. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say, I think Simon Farnaby is returning as writer or at least co-writer, which is great. That's a good, that's a good captain to make sure is consistent in all those. And he's really figured these tones out. And Dougal Wilson's a fantastic director. I know him from the music video side of things. He's inventive and has a beautiful sense of sort of grounded whimsy that I think will fit really well. Like if I was going to be finding a director, the only other um, director that came to mind for me was um, another British, um, oh God, no, I'm looking it up. It was another British, he directed um, under the name Hammer and Tongs for music videos. Um, but it's Garth Jennings, I thought would be, mm. it wouldn't have surprised me if they had taken meetings with him. He did like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and Son of oh, Rambo okay. and stuff. Um, I, I'm not surprised yeah. that given the first two movies were, you know, sort of fish out of water, now it's going to be water out of fish. I don't know how we describe mm. this, but he goes back home and I'm sure now the, the family will be the ones who are, you know, out of their element. And okay. What? Did you read the script already? <laughs> I'm just going off the three words of the title that we know. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's definitely what's happening. How do they drag Peter Capaldi all the way to Peru is what I want to know. <laughs> he drags them. There you twist. go. Look, there's also an element, too, where, you know, you, you never know. You know, this might be a whole switch up to the genre. And, you know, uh, you know. You have Paddington embroiled in like the seedy underworld of Peru, and he, you know, <laughs> teams up with a local detective uh, who will be discarded a couple movies later, uh, introducing Paddington's son, of course. Wait, uh, I feel like, are you, is he going to maybe have like a really souped up automobile and then yeah, like a I whole gang so. of other I people so. who also all have cars? <laughs> uh, they can yeah. both fix them. And hack. Will they hack be stealing DVD players? Oh, yeah. And, you know, you're going to have, like, you know, uh, musical turned actor bears like Teddy Ruxpin uh, who's going to come <laughs> get involved. It's going to it's gonna be explosive. Uh, oh, my God. Sign me up. Fast and the furious. No. Stop no. It. Go home. No. <laughs> Leave Demerit. this house. Demerit. Oh, man. After that great pun, uh, you know, I think it's a time for us to take a break. But when we come back, we're going to get crazy. So you've probably heard about microdosing. I don't know if you heard about it from your friend Jenny, like I did, who just dropped in a conversation that she's doing it, but you probably know someone else who is. If you do not, just know that all sorts of people, like my friend Jenny, are microdosing daily to feel healthier and perform better. 
Yes, our show today is sponsored by Microdose Gummies. Microdose Gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. I mean, look, when you're not waiting around in a car for someone to shotgun you some uh, some of that good THC, you can always uh, microdose. And it's great because they taste and feel amazing. And, you know, I use them to relax or get into the zone or when I need to sit down and do a bunch of writing. Uh, so, you know, uh, check it out and chill it out. Microdose is available nationwide. To learn about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use code MAXFILM to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show notes, but again, that's microdose.com, code M-A-X-F-I-L-M. Welcome back to Maximum Film. I'm Yosef Guadiway in the studio with me are... Drea Clark. Guy Branham. Alonzo Duraldi. Look, director Jean-Marc Vallée might be best known for directing movies like Dallas Buyers Club or miniseries like Big Little Lies on HBO. But as I mentioned earlier, in 2005, he directed the film Crazy, which won a lot of awards in Vallée's native Canada. And in 2015, critics at the Toronto Film Festival named it one of the best Canadian films of all time. But it was never released in the U.S. Tragically, Valet passed away on Christmas Day last year. And since Crazy is finally available to watch here in America, it seemed fitting to take an episode to talk about it. Um, but we're going to have to mention how wild that is uh, after Alonzo tells <laughs> us what happens in Crazy. Yeah, as you point out, Jean-Marc Vallée died on Christmas, and this is a movie about a guy who was born on Christmas, uh, Zach, who is the fourth of five sons in a, a Quebecois family. Um, he is sensitive, as uh, generations of mothers have referred to their queer sons. Um, you know, his older brothers are uh, by turns uh you know, uh, bookish, uh, thuggish or sporty. Um, and he does not really fit in any of those categories. And as he gets older, uh, it becomes very clear that whatever his sort of sissy side is, his father wants nothing to do with it. And so he spends a great deal of his uh, youth and adolescence trying to, um, you know, uh, tamp down any anything that that's queer about him, which is tricky to do in the age of David Bowie. Um, and over the course of the film, we kind of see him come of age, literally. It spans about 20 years or so at the beginning of his life. And, uh, you know, it's a it's a family story. It's a story about uh, understanding yourself and understanding, uh, you know, your queerness. And it's about um, how, you know, your mom is always there to take a look out for you. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I, and we'll definitely talk all about that. But uh, before we do, uh, had anyone seen this before? No. I hadn't. Yeah. Yeah. I had always, I had been wanting to. And then after Valet died, um, Drea, our friend Billy Ray, uh, sent me, he had a DVD of it floating around because it wasn't streaming anywhere. I couldn't find it. And, uh, and, and then I, you know, as very often happens, the DVD sat in my stack of Mount Unwatched. And then when the news came that it was getting a reissue this month, uh, then that was the excuse to do it. Ooh, I like that. Well, also as our queer cinema expert or expert on queer cinema, uh, flip, you know, I guess both, <laughs> well, both can be yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, I will answer to either. <laughs> can you talk a bit about how this movie fits into the narrative? 
Yeah, I mean, like, you know, the the coming of age story is is a traditional one. You know, very often I think you get a lot of queer filmmakers who tell biographical stories about their own youth. I don't really know how much this is Valet's story, but I... Not at all. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah, it's... Okay. He's... Uh, Valet was... Um, straight or living in a straight relationship with his wife. It's actually based on a man that he met who was telling them about his life oh, and okay. with his four brothers and being the gay son guy. I just love when people are asking questions about casting straight people as gay people and they're all like, I feel like brittle straight people are always like, what do you need? And, like, it is just such good proof that you don't really need that much. You really... Just having one person there who's informing the story with honesty and other people, a director and performers who are capable of listening. And I think so much of the time, there is this notion of best person for the job should supplant identity. But then we ignore the very shitty jobs that people do on a very regular (laughs) basis. I was working on a show and they were talking about casting a gay guy and somebody brought up man buns, Instagram man bun celebrity, Brock O'Hearn. And it was just like, you know, maybe we don't trust him for nuances of performance. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, and I'm not the biggest fan of Dallas Buyers Club myself, particularly in its portrayal of various facets of the queer community. Um, But yeah, no, I think this movie is of a piece of a lot of uh, coming of age films. But I think, again, it, you know, what what distinguishes any movie is the, the details, the specifics. And I think the way this movie captures what that time period in French speaking Canada was like, the way that it captures the dynamics of this family you know the, the it's not like the Aline you know 16 kids in the one house but it is five boys and you know very very crowded in a in a in a sort of working class neighborhood and you know some very magnetic performances from not just the lead but I think both the parents and 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 you know the 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 troublesome older brothers you know very charismatic and anti-charismatic mm-hmm. um so yeah I think there's a this movie has a lot going for it you mean Billy from Stranger Things <laughs> um, no, I'm 100% with you. I'm so glad you brought up Aileen. Um, I'm, I'm thrilled that we are finally stepping into our <laughs> true purpose of having multiple Quebecois films um, as, as you know, was destined and foretold. Um, and also that the that we now know this about uh, French Canadian mothers being like the most dynamic force in the universe. <laughs> what a rush. Um, I'm glad you brought up specificity, Alonso, because that was something that stood out to me. This movie is great. And yeah, spoiler, I know we do that at the end, but I do like, <laughs> I do want to just shine that light right here at the start because it's also like a two hour movie and I didn't know what I was getting into and all this. And so you get the, all right, okay. I, I did, put the f- subtitles on you guys will be thrilled okay. uh, so i was catching what they were saying but the it started and i was it was oh this is film like there was such an artfulness and so well crafted and when that's why i went to read about like the inspiration point and it was so clear in reading about it they had been refining this script for years, for years mm. and years, which you do not get to do if you're working on a commercial script or if you're working in a fast paced way. And they held out until they had a budget to support it. And there's something those are that's an alchemy like that does not happen all of the time. And it really paid off. There are so many moments in this movie 
where it's a visual callback or a thematic callback or a dialogue callback. Like there's so much threaded through that's not on the nose, but that is giving texture or depth. And I was, oh, I really, I just, these are the kind of movies that I'm like, oh, look at the art. This is art, huh? (laughs) But it's just fun to watch too. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Me saying that to my cats. Generally, there are only two positions on the gay coming-of-age movie uh, knob, and those are wish fulfillment and trauma porn. And (laughs) you either get, oh, you know, Jennifer Garner crying at love Simon because she'll always love him, or you get people who are sending their children to reprogramming. And the thing is, it's like, most of us live really in the valley in between that we don't want to talk about, and that this movie showed you a dad who was always trying really hard to do what he thought was the right thing that was not remotely the right thing made me reevaluate my own relationship with my father. It was a beautiful film that managed to do all of that. And also that, um, that, uh, was his his name Zach? The protagonist, Mm -hmm. he does not defeat and slay coming out of the closet. He does not get it done. And then he's off to the promised land it is uh, like a, a journey that he has to go through because like the the weight of I love my parents and want to give them uh, like this movie probably did a better job of underlining the way that parents hold themselves hostage to keep you from coming out um, <laughs> was truly beautiful. But look, you guys fucking invited me on this show. And so you're also going to get this. Um, uh, Zach is born. Christmas Day, 1960. 1960 was the begin of what's uh, beginning of what's known as the Quiet Revolution in Quebec. Like this is when shit changes. And before that, Quebec was run by an old mobster for like 40 years who was essentially the dad, was essentially just trying to keep people responsibly Catholic doing manual labor jobs. And like, like the, the, this, the Franco of uh, French Canada. Yes, yes. <laughs> but it really was just sort of like. I'm here to save your soul, like to keep your head down and you just working a a lunch bucket job. And the way that however much his brothers were like actually masculine, but as like a counterculture guy, as a sports guy, as an intellectual, they were all flirting with stuff that wasn't just about keeping your head down and staying within your father's world. And it's how subtle it is. It's 1960 on his birthday, and the only thing you see is there is a block Quebecois poster in the um, the drug dealer brother's room. And it's like, I love that Canadian movies know that they can only have a little bit of Canadian politics as a treat. Um, <laughs> uh, but this movie just dusted it over so perfectly and built a human story that told you everything you needed to know. Oh, thank God, guys. That here. is exactly why we asked you to do <laughs> yeah. this episode. You nailed it. I was not going to be bringing that. Sorry. I, I only do the Midwest. As you know, I have one region and it sadly does not go that far north. It's beautiful. Yeah, no, uh, but, you know, speaking of the years, too, it was interesting seeing like his style change throughout the years. And that was like, like really cool. <laughs> <laughs> 
I was trying to find a better word than cool. And, <laughs> no, I think uh, you nailed it with like that was really cool. Yeah, because that's what the character would have said if he he would have got that. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Dre. So you, no, you, I'm uh, I'm with that, and there is that blend too of like a guy brought up the Bowie of it. There's a whole scene of him singing along, and he's got his Ziggy Stardust, and and it was this thing of it's it's utilized to make his father especially continue to be nervous about the direction of the kid but it's also just mainstream enough that the kid feels able to play in that zone right and that's a that's a hard thing to do and i found when i was watching this so like you mentioned it it follows his whole life so you there's a there's a good chunk of it when he's around six or seven and he's very he's first becoming cognizant of the fact that Oh, my dad is afraid of fairies, so a fairy I am not going to be. Mm. And my knee-jerk, like, I felt, and it was a very quick reaction, a quick turnaround, don't judge me too much, but the reality, my first thing was, oh, I hope this kid can hide it, rather than, oh, I hope this dad can get over his shit. And it was such a, like, cultural, like, oh, God, Drea, out damn spot. Like... (laughs) (laughs) I mean, with the Bowie, I, I loved the, the many facets of the way they found this kid trying to fit himself into the society that was there for him. And the, the two games of sexual, like trying to be sexually attracted to women and that turning into eroticizing his female cousin because yes. she got to fuck a guy he was into. <laughs> and then the turn on of watching his older brother have sex. And they're like, Alonzo, I don't know if it read this way to you, but the moment when his brother says that he would blow him for um for money. For drug money, yeah. And there is just a moment of like, you know that that turns him on in the dirtiest and like most embarrassing of ways. <laughs> but at least he has the wherewithal to refuse, you know. Yes. So we, we'll give him that. It would have been a much different movie. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's David Cronenberg, probably. Yeah. Yeah, that I that was the that was the kind of like wild kind of sensation I had watching it where like it, it's like that parents being wrong thing and thinking that they that like what's best for him is to just fight it out of him and just being stubborn and just like and and I think the flip side of it too is I think you know you want him to be like fuck you but he's like no I'm a, I'm trying to fight for my parents love and like when he's all the way across the world and sees that record and he's like I'm going to bring it. And before he can even give it to his dad, his dad is once again going on about some like stupid shit about him not being able to accept him as he is. It was that the the record is another point that uh, when I'm talking about all of those things that are threaded through in callbacks, the record is handled so well. It's this mm. Patsy Klein import and he breaks it as a child and he's always trying to replace it. And the dad can't explain why it's so important that he gets the version <laughs> that he wants. So it's never too on the nose, but it's right there. But it's also that's actually a great lead to the music in this film is so oh, fantastic yeah. throughout. It's an enormous part of the budget. It is a much bigger part of the budget than you would normally have. I'm wondering that's why if that's why we haven't seen it in the US for so long. I'm sure. Because somebody's gonna have to shell out for all those I'm songs. I'm sure. The songs and, and some of them are so specific and there's like this recurring amazing thing of his dad singing this seeming like not folk song, but a very like 
traditional-ish sort of song. And and Charles watching Aznavour. the dad yeah. sing that, right, at different stages of his life, and the reception of the people around him singing it, I was like, that's incredible. Like, yeah. there's, 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 Jean-Marc Vallée does like 50 things in this movie like that that most filmmakers get like one in a movie yeah well, just the passage of time stuff in in so many ways yeah. visually uh, audibly everything is so great also that dad gets a titanic performance like it truly is one of those things where we would never make an oscar movie that complex and ambiguous but like having to give you somebody who is torturing the protagonist through his love and we never forget that it is through his love and that you like the t- truly the tiny winds of the end broke my fucking heart because that was a real yeah, gay no, story. You're, you're right yeah oh I, I cried yeah yeah no that's when it got me too. just seeing them both in the car and him mentioning that day it's like we just don't talk about our life and you're like oh and they're back at the place from the beginning yeah. with the fries in the drive my car uh, car yeah. No, it was yeah. not. No, well, was it? No, it, was, it was a convertible, but it was yeah, yeah it was the same red the same sob. S- yeah. Oh, fun. <laughs> but no, I you know, I guy, as always, you you put such a fine point on it that I, it is true. So many movies of this ilk are either like fantasy or like horror. And yeah. and, and and yeah, this this one dares to be naturalism, and we don't really get that very much, if ever. Yeah. One time, a guy in Slate magazine asserted that you cannot tell authentic gay stories without having some level of magic or fantasy to them. I think that that's kind of true. And I thought that this was such a good example of realism, but with tiny moments of magic to remind you what has to go on in the mind of a queer person. Mm. And that the magic moments are often tied to religion. Yeah, that there's true. this this element hit that he like he more than once at different stages of his life fantasizes that this priest is going to interrupt uh, uh, an <laughs> entire say a show, but um, a whole mass <laughs> to like do, you know, and that they're tied to that. And I thought that the that's another thing that's handled in a really interesting way of the the Catholicism of it, his wanting to fit, but. Also, that the family was sort of going through the motions of it, and yeah, that that part. But you're so right; it's a it's an interesting conduit to that kind of magical realism. Mm-hmm. But the portal is religion, and it's not just. And then I was in class, and I imagined this thing, you know. Yeah, and, and any movie that can take one of the most overused needle drops in all of cinema, <laughs> namely the Rolling Stones Sympathy for the Devil, and come up with something new and fun to do with it? Yeah. Kudos. Oh, yeah. When they <laughs> yeah. started to do the hoo-hoo, yeah. I was like, what's, how do they all hear that? What's happening? Every one of those um, fantasy sequences took me a second to cotton to what was going on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just oh, in yeah. case you were wondering how deeply I was in this, I was like, oh my God, how do they all know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, should we vote? Yeah, I think we should. <laughs> All right. Just to reiterate, screen it is the best, stream it second best, and then skip it is self-explanatory. I will say screen it for sure. Um, and who knows if you're lucky, if your local uh, pride festival or film festival is showing this on the big screen, run out and see it because it's not getting a, a theatrical release at this moment in the U.S. But uh, yeah, go find it in the places where it is rentable or buyable online and, and check this movie out. I think it's a real gem. And I've, I've heard about 
about it for years and somehow you know it's a queer christmas movie i never saw before <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh you know yeah it's 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 stunning and it it lives up to the hype and i and it's it is tragic that 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 that, that, that this is going to get a much larger american audience now that monsieur valet is no longer here to appreciate it but um you know it the, the the again the irony that he died on christmas day after with a making this protagonist born on christmas day is is eerie but you know these are the things that happen in life yes indeed I would also be an enthusiastic screen it. I think this is a great example of what a director can do. And I know that this is the film that subsequent hirings of um, him and Ty, they looked at this and I completely understand like, oh yeah, I want to bring that flavor and depth to it. I also want to give a little shout out to Michelle, um, my girl in there representing for all of us girls, um, mistakenly in love and <laughs> designs on gay boys who cannot return that love in the way we would like. She did it for us. Thank you, Michelle. <laughs> I'm also a definite screen it. I, it. What an amazing movie that came out of nowhere. Yeah. Not nowhere. Quebec. Not nowhere. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah uh, same here. Screen it. Truly enjoyed it. And if you get a chance, go see it yourself. Uh, but, you know, on that note, we'll be right back after we hear from another one of these shows on Maximum Fun. See you in a bit. Hey, it's John Moe. Join me on Depression Mode for conversations on how mental health shapes our life. This week, David Sedaris with stories of his late father that he's finally willing to tell. I think there's a difference between, you know, a good person and a good character. Like, he was a good character, my boyfriend here. And my father was another one of those people. He was a really good character, but he, he, he wasn't a good person. Depression Mode with John Moe, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Jesse Thorne, the founder of Maximum Fun, and I have a special announcement. I'm no longer embarrassed by my brother, my brother, and me. You know, for years, each new episode of this supposed advice show was a fresh insult, a depraved jumble of erection jokes, ghost humor, and frankly, this is for the best, very little actionable advice. But now, as they enter their twilight years, I'm as surprised as anyone to admit that it's gotten kind of good. Justin, Travis, and Griffin's witticisms are more refined, like a humor column in a fancy magazine. And they hardly ever say Bazinga anymore. So, after you've completely finished listening to every single one of all of our other shows, why not join the McElroy Brothers every week for My Brother, My Brother, and Me. Back to Maximum Film. I'm your host, Ifuwadi Way. In the studio with me are Alonzo Duralde, Guy Branham, Drea Clark. All right. Well, we have uh, uh, an update on the Hall of Excellence, and uh, hopefully it's good news. So let's see. Uh, well, it's good news for one of you. Mm. Right, I don't like that. Hi, everybody. Producer Marissa oh, here. Hi, Marissa. Marissa. So there was a, a, a really a runaway victory here. Um, 
Clueless, the film Clueless, uh, takes the cake for Hall of Excellence Award movie that is a modern adaptation. A 66% of the vote uh, Clueless got. My doctor says I'm not allowed to do anything where balls fly at my face. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Um, Clueless. I want to thank everybody listening out there who voted. We had a lot of comments, which was fun. Um, People mm. looking for um, the Warriors, which is apparently based oh, true, on the yes. Greek oh. thing. Um, Gotta love a Greek <laughs> thing. A movie called Freeway. Ten Things I Hate About You. Got Ten Things I Hate out. About You was really fucking good. So good. Yeah, Ten so Things good. I Hate About yeah, You was that was, was almost in there. The one I Sorry, uh. I think it's Katrina. A second place with nineteen percent actually went to Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Oh, the guest. High five, Parvish. <laughs> Uh, David did say, great episode. Sorry about oh, Iffy. Mm. (laughs) Wow. Well, another crushing defeat for Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. I guess he's used to it by now. (laughs) (laughs) But hopefully your staff pick of oh got some people to watch the movie um, and enjoy. We'll we'll see. You know, it seems like, you know, uh, they're running away from flavor. So uh, (laughs) so, so Mm. we'll, we'll see if they stand up to the plate. Uh, Take that as a challenge, listeners. <laughs> That's just going to make them not listen. More. <laughs> like, nah, we good. Well, so as long as I'm here, um, Maximum Film hosts, uh, how about we do a little quiz on movies that have acronymic titles? Ooh, ooh. Oh, yeah. You mean like the movie we just discussed? Yeah. Oh, oh. yes, yes. Um, did any of you, like me, when... Uh, it was finally revealed why the film was called Crazy in the final moment, final second before the credits started to roll. Say aloud, oh! Oh, I, g- oh, yeah. I gasped for sure. Yeah, yeah. Wait, I, you I guys, I either missed it or I forgot it. We're not going to tell you now. Oh my God, I'm going to go back. Mike. I'm going to rewind. So uh, acronym is the name of this game. It stands for a cool rule of naming your movie. Oh, Ooh. Marissa. Look at you sizzle. <laughs> Thrilled with so herself. Wow. <laughs> I don't, I listen, I'm only on the show like once a month. Roger. Once I got to make it worth everyone's while. Uh, worth your while. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to uh, read a, like, a letterboxed synopsis of a few different movies and uh, you guys can buzz in and tell me uh, what movie it is. Mm-hmm. If nobody knows, I, I can give you a clue, like what year it came out. Um, but these are all films that either have only an acronym as the title or predominantly an acronym as the title. Do uh, you guys want to use the word crazy to buzz in? Seems appropriate. Yes. Sounds good, yes. Are we all clear? There should be something for everybody in here, okay? okay. So yeah, no yeah. tuning out and letting Alonzo <laughs> get them all. <laughs> oh, oh, I only get them because they tune out? Great, thanks. <laughs> oh, yeah, I need to pump up your ego on this, yeah. Okay, so here's the first one. A rash of bizarre murders in New York City seems to point to a group of grotesquely crazy. deformed Crazy! Crazy! <sighs> Somebody say Chud. Chud, yeah. Cannibalistic humanoid Chud. underground mm-hmm. dwellers. Yes, yes. Alonzo, Alonzo did get that. A bonus point for knowing what it stands for. <laughs> Cannibalistic humanoid underground I would have dwellers. definitely stuttered over the uh, what it stands for. <laughs> <laughs> I'm panicking because right. I'm already thinking of some acronym titles that I don't know what they stand for, but we'll cross that okay. bridge when we get to it. <laughs> yeah, let's go with number two. Two clueless homegirls. Crazy. Crazy. Oh, yeah. Guy. Guy. Black American princesses, that's BAPS. That is that's right. Wow. Fucking Starring solid future film. Oscar winner Halle Berry. <laughs> Here's the third one for you. A recently slain cop joins a team of undead police officers. Oh, cra- oh crazy. crazy. 
Drea. R.I.P.D. <laughs> I was like, it has a thing to it. R.I.P.D. Does anybody know what R.I.P.D. stands Rest for? Rest in peace department. <laughs> right. Wait, is it really department? Yeah. Yes. Whoa, nice. Fucking way to, wow. way to try. 24% marketing. <laughs> yes. Way to try. Yes. I think that's a higher percentage than its Rotten Tomatoes score. <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh, I had to review that one. <laughs> My friend Aaron worked on the post effects of that, and they were great. <laughs> well played, Aaron. That's great. Good job, Aaron. Uh, this is a short synopsis, so see if this is enough. The star of a team of teenage crime Cr- fighters. Crime, crazy. Cry, crazy. I do know this one. It is Debs because I have talked about this movie several times. It is so good. Please go watch it. If you have you seen Debs yet? No, I have not. Oh, you're going to love it. I promise you. I promise you with all that is in me, the love you will have for this. Lesbian spies in Catholic high school universe. Should I have led with, you know that Jordana Brewster is the lead of Debs? In the the Angela Robinson joint? In Furious? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I haven't seen it yet either, Ify. But one thing that definitely makes me want to see it is what Debs stands for. Does anybody know? It's bonkers. I, do. I, I don't. don't I don't. Discipline, energy, beauty, strength. <laughs> oh my so. god! Coming That's soon basically to charisma, race. uniqueness, talent, <laughs> or nerve, nerve and talent. Yeah, exactly. Okay, how about this one? Um, after the defeat of their old arch nemesis, the Shredder. Oh, oh shred, 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 crazy! I'm gonna give this one to Iffy. TMNT <laughs> for Teenage Mutant Ninja All Turtles. Right. Oh, and we know what it stands for. Yeah. That's right. The 2007 version. For some reason, they thought it would be cool to name it TMNT. Well, they couldn't get Vanilla Ice back. They had to do something. <laughs> yeah. They probably could have gotten Vanilla Ice back. Yeah. I don't know if they tried hard enough. Uh, you guys are doing great. I think let's end it there. Uh, I hope everybody uh, had damn. a great time. I, here I was worried that I didn't remember what Daryl or Chomps stood for. <laughs> oh, my God. Daryl. Uh, I thought about putting Daryl on the list, but I was like, nobody's gonna know Daryl. I, I see. I I'm learning a lot. Can I can I do can I do one? We yeah. we we talked about another acronym movie in this year. What was R R R? No, no, we didn't do that one. Um, mm. <gasps> Crazy! It was Coda. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, right. Yes. Wow. They okay. yeah, they didn't do the periods. That's the that's where you lose. Yeah. Them. Yeah. Because they, yeah. it had multiple meanings, you I know. Get, they also meant the oh, music yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As you know, I thought it was about codependency. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, a lot of directions. Well, yeah, totally. So let's just, uh, I guess, jump right into staff picks. It could be any movie at Thank all. Thank you, Marissa. That was a fun game. Yes. Oh yeah. Bye, Marissa. Thank you. Oh, our, oh, staff picks. You say? Yes. <laughs> I do have a staff pick. Oh. This is also a movie that we have discussed because it came up on mine and I think also Alonzo's top 10. The worst person in the world is finally on, it's on Hulu. It's available Mm -hmm. for streaming. I highly recommend it. It's a Norwegian film. Um, It is, oh, and you know what? It doesn't, normally we try and connect 
the movies we're recommending to the movie we watched in some way. Um, I'm not doing a very smooth job of that. This is much more of a speaking of movies kind of thing. But I will say there is something about discovering um, your own identity and oh, purpose for sure. and how you're going and moving through the world and sort of shaping your own ideologies and whatnot in an incredibly artistic, impressively directed manner. The worst person in the world. And at the end of the month, there's a new Criterion Blu-ray as well. Oh, nice. Also, be forewarned, you are going to watch this movie and spend a lot of time wondering if you should cut bangs. So again, <laughs> I like to put that out there as a spoiler. Yeah. You, If you are not Renata Reinsve, you probably can't get away. No, you can't. Let me just tell you, don't do it. Girl, don't do it. <laughs> Uh, I am going to tie this to this week's movie uh, in that I'm picking a Jean-Marc Vallée movie, uh, one that I think does not get its due. I think it kind of came and went and people didn't really pay attention to it for whatever reason. And I haven't I don't really hear people talk about it even now that he's gone. But I am a big fan of Demolition starring Jake Gyllenhaal uh, from 2016. Uh, Gyllenhaal plays a sort of middle manager business rising executive type uh, whose wife dies in a car accident and he seems non-responsive and not really feeling grief. But the one way that he sort of challenges all his emotions, actually, there's two. One is writing um, letter after letter to the vending machine company that did not give him his candy while he was in the hospital waiting to see whether or not she was going to die. Um, and also the he begins dismantling things, starting with small objects and doors uh, until by the end of the movie, he's pretty much taken apart his entire house. Um it's a terrific film and it's a really great Hall performance and more people should check it out. So it is available for rent uh, uh, in the usual places. Demolition. A valet film heavy with subtext. Imagine <laughs> that. Either. Could yeah. you even? <laughs> I am also going to tie my movie to the movie we talked about this week. As I said earlier, Canadian movies are only allowed to have a tiny bit of Canadian politics sprinkled on top as a treat. Let me tell you guys, who loves a 1980s action comedy. Huh? Huh? Ooh, Who yeah. loves Who a buddy doesn't? cop comedy? Yeah. In the mid-2000s, Canada made a buddy cop movie. You got one <laughs> cop. He's Anglophone. He plays by all the rules. He is put together. Then you get this French-speaking cop. He does it his own way. There is stitching on the back of his jeans. These two guys have to team up to solve a murder. It is like... The best, most fun, goofiest 1980s, uh, like, buddy cop movie, while at the same time making a really, really funny joke about, like, American hegemony over Canada. Like, there is a murderer who is taking down people who are involved in uh, NHL teams leaving Canada. Um, it's It's got Colm Fiore, who we now cast in all sorts of things here, um, and this guy named Patrick Ward, who wrote it and stars in it, and is so sexy and funny. And it's just like, it's on Netflix, and it's a fucking good time. Wait, what's it called? Oh, I'm sorry. It's called Bon Cop, Bad Cop. No, like, how could, <laughs> how could it be called anything else, Drea? God. No, it's not. Like, B-O-N, Bon Cop? Bon Cop, bon bad, cop bad Cop. Oh, that's ah! genius. Okay, we I, gotta I mean, get off this recording. Uh, I gotta watch this movie right away. Also, oh. re like, 
was the highest grossing uh, Canadian made film replaced Porky's <laughs> like 30 years later <laughs> replaced Porky's oh god oh by the way quick quick ad, 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 adjunct to that if if you go once you go to Criterion Channel to watch Golden 80s as a guy has instructed you to do it it's what's good speaking of queer Canadian cinema and wacky musicals check out Zero Patience which okay. is streaming on Criterion Channel this month as well which is an AIDS musical and uh, rocked my world in the 90s I can't wait to watch it again <laughs> Amazing. Well, you know, I, I also wanted to thread it to the movie and talk about another, uh, you know, classic movie that takes place in Canada. So, of course, you know, I went with the Edgar Wright banger, uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Uh, you know, uh, you know, good old, good old, you know, what do you think about that guy? Do you think that captured Canada in the same way? Oh, absolutely. Like, it, it's a it's a cold, trying world um, full of uh, full of queer people. I love it. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> and sporadic vegans. Sporadic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now it's time for one of our five-star reviews. Look, look, we love y'all. And if y'all go down to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review, we'll read it live on air. You know, that's a treat. So, you know, if you want your voice heard, <laughs> just give us five stars and let us know. So this one comes from Becca DB. Happy new listener. I found this podcast a few months ago, and now it's a must listen for me. I think what sets it apart are how different the hosts are. They have different backgrounds and tastes, and that means the perspectives are always interesting, and it doesn't feel like movies reviewed in an echo chamber. I also love a movie podcast that doesn't get too pretentious. Y'all tease him all you want, but the fact that if he put Sonic in his top 10 for last year is one of the reasons I'm so hooked. That and you have the best Christmas Eddie in the world. I'd listen to that 60-second download as its own podcast. Love you guys. Keep up the great work. I love that one. I love the energy of any review that is, Drea's also there. <laughs> so, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I do love that. And, and I will say, we love getting these not just to feed our own egos, yes. though that is part of it, but because those ratings help promote like the show and yes. they, it sends it in some sort of Feed that algorithm, algorithm babies. Yeah. The algae you, rhythm Becca. from Space Jam 2 needs this <laughs> to pump the show out. Yeah. Well, Guy, thank you so much for joining us. Is there anything you'd like to plug God, and let people know where they can find you? Um, Bros is coming out September 30th in theaters everywhere. Please go see this movie. It's very good. Ooh. Yay! Yes, we will. We will see that movie. I don't know why I did it like show tunes. We just might do an episode about it. Who knows? Oh, yeah. We will most definitely. <laughs> that movie was made for this team. <laughs> yes. And of course, Dre and Alonzo, big thanks to you both for joining me every week and uh, watching me be a freak. Uh, <laughs> And you, listener, listening right now, if you have a comment or suggestion about this week's show, tweet at us at Maximum underscore film. Our Facebook group can be found at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Maximum film. And that's where you were able to vote for the Hall of Excellence pick. And you can, you know, be in there talking to each other, dropping movie news, knowledge, all that stuff. Um, of course, our producer is Marissa Flaxbart. Our scene producer is Laura Swisher. And this is a production of Maximum Fun. Maximumfun.org. 
comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.